Positive Friday. How are you? Welcome to the Jason Greger Show. Hope you're having an awesome day. Big plans for the weekend. Uh, maybe we'll be hitting up the uh, Elks preseason game on Saturday. You have the Stingers home opener on Sunday. They tip off their season tomorrow in Calgary, and then they are back home 4 o'clock Sunday. Sold out game. If you're a Stingers fan, you're a basketball fan, probably want to get some tickets for their upcoming games. Uh, their next home game is next Wednesday. Tickets are going fast for that one as well. So should, you know what? It's, it's a great atmosphere. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. If you are a basketball fan, very, uh, very family affordable with tickets and uh, food and beverage, which makes it uh, even better for everybody involved. How are you? Uh, it is the eve of Connor Halley's wedding. Whew. Here he woke up in a little bit of a cold sweat today. Well, it's like good nerves. Most people out there uh, that have been married, you uh, this is like a nervous excitement, you would think. And Conman's he's pretty, he's pretty level, at for sure, the most even keel one on the show. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I get a little fired up. Struds is all over the map, and uh, Con's is pretty even keel, except when you talk Chargers. That's that's the one time I think I've ever seen his his heart rate increase a little bit, but uh, maybe tomorrow we'll see. I just hope cons isn't the guy, you know, you've seen videos of some people getting kind of nervous. All of a sudden they pass out at the altar. That's not great. Uh, you know, I wouldn't expect con man to be like that. We'll see though. Should be a lot of fun on the uh, show today. Lots to discuss as always. Uh, George LaRock will join us. He's uh, he'll be in town two weeks from today because it's the, uh, the roast of Kevin Lowe. And uh, when I say roast, it's a roast. It's it's not a toast. It's you know, it gets gritty. There'll be uh, hey, if you you have any, if you, if you think you you have a good joke, a good roast about low that doesn't involve uh, tier two fans because we've uh, received a lot of those. That seems like the uh, the obvious one, and yeah, you got to present it in the in the right way. But if you have any other good ones, feel free. Whether it's on uh, low, McTavish. Larac, uh, Terry Ryan, uh, Messier and Gretzky are, are doing some uh, videos as well for this. So it's, you know, it's open season on anyone. So I've been uh, uh, working on a few. I'm definitely not, uh, I wouldn't say I'm a joke writer per se. So, and really, as the uh, roast master, you just want to, you know, you have to have an intro. And then after that, you just want to keep things going, you know, have a quick little snippet in between. They're not there for you. So I feel like my job is just to keep things flowing and not be, uh, not be too noticeable. As long as you don't bomb, it's obviously the, uh, the key. So it should be a, a lot of fun. I know there are still a few tickets left, not many, as uh, it's all for Kidsport, and it'll be loads of fun. So if you want to go, you can go to uh, kidsportrose.com or send a text. I can send you a link to where it is. Uh, Caitlin McGrath will join us. What is up with Alex Manoa? God, he is struggling. Like, uh, brutal. But he's got a 5.53 ERA. And, you know, his velocity isn't very good. He's down, like, uh, a mile an hour. Last year, he was at uh, 93.9. He's down to 92.8. He's under the league average for a fastball now. His slider's down. His sinker's down. Like, man, it is uh, first strike. The guy's walking way too many people. 
Last year, he was a first pitch strike 62% of the time. He's down to 54.1 this year. Like, there is there's really no statistic that you can look at and say, ah, you know what, Jesus, kind of just being unlucky. No, across the board, he is struggling. And uh, when your ace struggles, it's hard for a team to win. He's got to get better, flat out. So uh, we'll talk a little uh, Jays coming up in the uh, 3 o'clock hour. Taylor Cornelius, QB of the Elks, will be by. This will be uh, his only appearance. How much he plays probably depends on how well he plays, honestly. The Bombers are bringing a a fairly veteran-laden team, and I think that's a good thing. If you're an Elks fan or you're a member of the Elks, you you don't want Winnipeg coming here with a bunch of backups. It's kind of hard to get a gauge of where you're at. Bombers are good. They're real good. So why wouldn't you want to test yourself against them? So I think that's a good sign. We'll talk to Taylor about his offseason. He looked very good in camp. And uh, now I I have to think, get him for at least a half or close to it. Now, I guess if they march down the field on the first three series and score, well, then maybe you can say, all right, he's good. We'll see. Craig Button will be by. We got uh, Rashog and uh, Gazzola. You can get involved. You can text us at 10, 12, 60. We'll get to uh, some trivia a little bit later on. Help me understand. And more. Brandon Douglas is uh, along for the ride, driving the uh, ship again today. Uh, the Dallas Stars live to fight another day, as do the Boston Celtics. And the Celtics last night, suddenly it's 3-2. to two. Are you telling me there's a chance? No NBA team has ever done it. They're only halfway there. But another dominant win by Boston last night, 110-97. And they were... That game was never in doubt. They outscored them by 15 in the first quarter. Outscored them by two in the second. Outscored them by one in the third. And then when it was over, Miami outscored them by five in the fourth quarter. And lost by 13. Right? So, uh, outscored them by five. Basically just negated an uh, 18-point deficit heading into the fourth quarter. That's all that did. Celtics are, are suddenly looking really good. Now, the challenge when you put yourself down 3 nothing, is you have to be perfect for four straight games. And no NBA team's ever done it. But somebody eventually usually is the first person or team to do something. Up until a few years ago, the number 16 seed had never won an NCAA March Madness on the men's side. Well, that changed, and now it's happened twice. Going to become a regular occurrence? I don't know. But things change. Before Wayne Gretzky, no one came. Like, Phil Esposito was the closest at 152 points. Gretzky said, thank you, and blew it out of the water. Went over 200 points four times. Went 196 another time. So you never know. It would still, and what was interesting was there's a lot of odds makers that gave the Celtics decent chance at 3 nothing, which was uh, surprising, but who knows? We'll see what happens. But last night, you know, Jimmy Butler, 14 points in 33 minutes. Like, they just, they weren't very good last night at all. They rested a lot of their guys down the stretch, as they should. Game's over. No point uh, not doing it. Hey, guys, I read an article that the pitch clock might be to blame. He was a pitcher that took his time, and now the faster clock hurts his rhythm. He may need more conditioning. Well, the last part might be valid, potentially. But 
Like, I wouldn't think his conditioning in the first inning would be that much of a factor, right? If, if he was getting hit hard, you know, second, third time through the rotation, and maybe now all of a sudden you're into the fifth inning and maybe conditioning's a factor, I could get on board with that. But in the first inning, like, how out of condition do you have to be? If after 15 pitches, you're, oh, jeez, pretty tired here. Can't handle this. We'll see where it goes, but it's, you know, it's a valid point, but w- would that impact his velocity? I would like to see is his velocity early in every inning good. And then it just drops off quickly. If it does, then maybe there's some validity to that. But if, uh, if he was struggling early, which he has been like, and he had a good start here the other day. And so people thought, okay, he's turning the corner and then boom, he fell off the rails again last night in Tampa Bay. So we'll, uh, We'll see where it goes. But I'll tell you about the Jays. If the if, if you don't get Manoa going, like it's 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 hard to win when your ace is, is that bad. It just is. Right now, the good news in a 162 game season, it's a long time. But uh, Toronto suddenly finds themselves in last place in the AL East. Like they're two and what are they, two and nine in their last eleven? They've plummeted down the standings. They're suddenly Hell, they're three and a half points back of third place, the Yankees. They're seven and a half games behind Baltimore. And that's just for second place. Right? Like Tampa Bay's ten and a half games up of them. Odds of catching them are, uh, are pretty slim. Now, the good news for the Jays, they're still above 500. But they're going to have to get going here pretty quick. You don't want to fall too far out of the uh, the wild card race and be playing catch-up uh, that long into the season. right? What do they got, 100 and... 10 games left, something like that, 111 maybe. I think they played 51. Meanwhile, the Dallas Stars, Joe Pavelski. I, I know people, we got texts in here already about uh, Joe Pavelski, and hey, you know what? The guy showed up. He's been pretty good. Do I think he's a Hall of Famer? No. Me personally, I do not. It, it's not the Hall of very good, in my opinion. How many years was Joe Pavelski uh, a top 10 scorer in the NHL? How many years in his career did he score 80 points? Once. Right? So one time. So I'm trying to look. How many years in his NHL career did he average a point per game? Like a legit 1.00 points per game. You want to know how many? Zero. I'm sorry, that doesn't make you a Hall of Famer. Now, maybe if you're a defenseman, sure. It's not just about points. But he scored 40 goals once. And he's been a productive player in the postseason. But he's got 138 points in 180 games. Not a point of game player in the playoffs. Not a point of game player anywhere. So, no. He's not He's not a Hall of Famer, right? I think we get caught up, and is he a nice guy? Is it a great story? Scoring late into his 30s? Awesome. That doesn't make you a Hall of Famer. And and I think people have to accept that players today are playing later than ever before. Honestly, I think in 15 years, the uh, the 35-plus category is kind of been like, oh, yeah, well, that's normal. Because athletes have more education on training on nutrition, that better science on rehabilitation. So many different things that you just, 
it, when, when people try to compare different eras, it's like, oh, LeBron, hey, LeBron James, it's unreal what he's doing in his career. It's fantastic. But you can't compare to guys that in, in the 70s and 80s and say, well, look at them after the age of 36. Yeah, they didn't have hyperbaric chambers. Okay? They didn't. They weren't spending a million bucks a year just on therapy and treatment because it wasn't available. And that doesn't, that's not diminishing what it does, but you can't diminish other players when they did not have those things readily available to them. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't make sense to me at all. So we'll see. Hey guys, I think the best roast for Lowe's, if it wasn't for him and his time as present, uh, we wouldn't have ended up with McDavid from BG. Um, well, I see what you're saying subtly, right? You're, you're saying the, uh, the, the lack of direction, the, the, basically the continued failures led to greatness of McDavid. It's true. Keep in mind, it also helped that the uh, Buffalo Sabres opted not to draft Leon Dreisaitl second overall. That's, that's a gift that, hey, it happens, right? People are saying it right now about Matthew Kachuk. You're right. Vancouver, Edmonton did him a favor. Now, there's lots of people. Craig Button's been on. There's lots of scouts that talk. They felt at the time, yes, a Pugliarvi, lots of people had him rated higher. Now, maybe they missed something, right? Maybe they they overlooked his lack of hockey sense, right? Collectively, it's going to happen. So there's a, hey, luck can be a factor for sure. I think you need good direction. But even having a good direction in your organization doesn't guarantee a success. Look at Carolina. I think they have really good direction. They've got a really good coach. They've got a really good system. What do they lack? High-end offensive player. And come crunch time, every year for the last five years in the playoffs, they get beat by a team who has better high-end skill up front. That's pretty much what happened every year for Carolina. They're good. They're really well-balanced. But comes down to... Uh, Quantity over uh, quality for them. And you would argue that sometimes you need the quality. Like they're a very good team. And there's other good teams that have had high-end guys that just were never able to win. Lucky, unlucky bounce here or there. Played other good teams who had other top-end talent. San Jose Sharks. Like look how good the Sharks were. And they had elite talent. Had some Hall of Famers on those teams. Made to a Stanley Cup final. Made to the conference finals lots. Couldn't get over the hump. It happens. Hey, guys, Pavelski's played 100 playoff games. That's some guy's career. He's a Hall of Famer. Windermere way. Because he's played 180 games doesn't make him a Hall of Famer. Why? Who cares if he played 180 games? So he was on good teams. That doesn't mean anything. He was on good teams. He's a good contributor. He's not a Hall of Fame contributor. Like, it's great that he's able to contribute later in his career, but look in his, quote, prime years. 59, 51, 66, 61. It's funny, his career year came last year at 81 points. That's his career high. So what about the prime of his career? His numbers don't stack up. I'm sorry, because he's played 180 playoff games. He's on some really good San Jose Sharks teams. 
right? They were competitive every year. But they didn't win. And it wasn't like he was crushing it every year. He was good. But he's not a Hall of Famer, Kim. So some might disagree, and that's okay. But to me, that's uh, I just I, I, you, we can't water it down. And you have to remove emotion. Is Joe Pavelski a great story? Is able to continue clicking at his age? Awesome. Doesn't mean he's a Hall of Famer. Two different things for me. Quick break. When we return, we'll talk uh, some hockey, a little bit of baseball, and some uh, football on the Gregor Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca. 223 Positive Friday. Hope you are having yourself a great day. Big plans for the weekend. If you're a local sporting fan, got the uh, Elks tomorrow, Stingers on uh, Sunday. You can uh, watch a little uh, NBA. You can watch some uh, NHL tomorrow. Uh, F1, if you're uh, well, if you're into a snooze fest. I'm sorry, F1 fans, but Monaco, <laughs> snoozer. Snoozer. Probably, uh, and I'm debating uh, mowing my lawn instead. Like the start will be good, but after that, not sure. I hope I'm wrong. I hope uh, I'm wrong, but uh, historically, it's not looking great. Let's get to the Chronicles, brought to you by Action Electrical, family-run business for over 50 years, and they continue to expand and grow, have an entire solar division for both commercial and residential. Want to go a little bit greener? Save some power, save some energy? Go to actionelectrical.net. Uh, Tom Gazzola joins us now. TG, are you golfing again today? Trying to buy this this place, man. So I'm going back and forth with the seller, but uh, maybe I'll sneak out for a late late night round or something like that later today. How are your negotiating skills? Pretty good. I'm stubborn. I mean, I'm the son of a Polish and Italian set of parents, so uh, we're pretty stubborn, and I, uh, I I feel like I'm the same way. So pretty good. I'm holding my ground, Greg. Okay. Okay, I like that. Um, yeah. <laughs> good. Good luck with the negotiation. Do you, like? You. Are you a calm negotiator? Or are you? You know, does your realtor have to calm you down? You know, you're not coming off the top rope. Uh, this this is my first time going through this, but I I, I feel like I'm in a good headspace. And like there was some frustration earlier today, and I was just like, "What are they thinking?" So uh, I took a deep breath, took a step back, and I was like, "No, no, relax. You're fine. You're fine." So uh, I think I'm in a good spot. I've got a great realtor. Uh, he's been doing this for a long time, and uh, he's he's uh, in lockstep with me as we go through this process. All right, fair enough. Yeah. Now, well, well, good luck. Uh, hopefully, uh, you'll close on it. If you close on it, when do you get it? Uh, could be as soon as next month in a few weeks here. Mm, all right. Yeah. But no rush, no urgency. If it happens, it happens. If not, I'm okay. Now, um, the, uh, the Dallas stars, uh, get a win, took overtime, but, uh, they got a victory. Uh, last, I still think it's delaying the inevitable, uh, my opinion mm-hmm. on that one. Um, yeah, I would probably, if I had to pick a team that's down here, that's still trailing in green, I would, I would give the Celtics a better chance. To, to win their series than I would the uh, the Dallas Stars. You know, won't be surprised if all of Vegas closes them out on uh, on Saturday night. But um, when when you look at you know, there's the decisions coming up. The orders don't really have any huge decisions to make. Um, 
there there is the one though like I don't see how for me anyway I would I wouldn't return Kyler Yamamoto that that's one player that that I would look to trade uh, mm-hmm. if if need be in the off season is there anyone else that you think is a for sure not come back for sure not come back well I mean does Devin Shore even count probably not but the one I'm curious most about is probably Nick Bukestad. Did he price himself out of the market? How much money can the Oilers truly offer him? How much is the cap potentially going up? All of these variables are going to come into play. I don't think it's going to be a really sexy offseason for the Oilers, Gregs, and, and I think that's an okay thing given where they are. And I know there are some fans out there that are pointing to the second-round exit and going, they're not good enough, they're not good enough, see – well, you know what? I think that they are pretty damn good, and things can change next year, and I think that they can make in-season adjustments. But if I think they're bringing back this group for the majority uh, or the majority of this group, I think they're going to be in a good spot. So, uh, yeah, for sure not coming back. You know, We'll see what they do with Yamamoto. I think that's where they want to obviously make an upgrade. The CC situation, do they really need to get rid of him? Probably not, but... Would it be nice to improve or to change that uh, second-pairing right defenseman and give the orders a little bit of a different feel on the back end there? Yeah, I, I understand that mentality for sure. But I think, you know, where we're going to see some, some differences and some changes is in the personnel in the bottom six. And I don't know how much of a youth movement, movement the orders are going to go with in the, uh, in the forward unit, but I know we'll probably see Holloway. And then uh, if you're losing some veteran guys, again, like a Bukestad or if Ian Mark decides to walk, uh, how are you replacing them? What type of players are coming in? I would imagine they would be similar type of players, long-term NHL veterans that uh, you can rely on, that can give you some solid two-way minutes. Yeah, I look, like, I'm curious. Like Ken Holland has historically been patient, and I think if you look at his tenure in Edmonton, the team's improved all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's, he's made some big splashes when need be. I, I don't really rip him about the trade deadline of 2020 because you had a worldwide pandemic that changed everything. So I, yeah. I, I don't really, uh, critique that one. Uh, you know, people are like, Oh, I gave up these picks for uh, Athanasio. Yeah. They also didn't qualify Athanasio and offered him a contract that he didn't sign. So, yeah. um, you know what, that's, can you predict that? No, you can't. Um, you know, had, uh, had it not hit, who knows how he would have played. None of us know. We'll never know. I look at what you need. Like, I, I don't think you can rely on for surely getting an Ekholm every year at the deadline because Ekholm kind of came out of nowhere, really. You know, mm-hmm. Ken Holland talked about it. David Poyle talked about it. That was like, you know, when he talked to him in January, he was like, no, we're not trading him. And then, you know, literally five days before, all of a sudden, they're like, oh, okay, well, now we are. You know, they had went on a little bit of a losing streak and away you go. So, I think the orders, their offseason is going to be ten on two things. The reason why I think Yamamoto goes is just they want to be under the salary cap when the season begins. And I think they want to be a million dollars under, if possible, when the right. season ends. They, they want to have some cap flexibility. Because that means, you know what, maybe you can strike a little bit earlier in the season when you have more cap flexibility and waiting until the last possible day. Right? So that's one reason. Uh, the other one is it just, you know, it allows you to just do more things. So... I think having Yamamoto just, and I'm, not, and I'm not saying Yamamoto's the reason they lost. We could text, why are you blaming Yamamoto? I'm not blaming him. I'm just saying, if I look at their at their makeup of their team, he's mm-hmm. the one that makes sense to trade. People that just want to throw away Cody Cece, the difference is Cody Cece's shown you he can be pretty good yep. when he's healthy. Now, I don't know if he can be that good again. 
honestly. Like, he's never going to bring offense. That's fine. I think he's a good defender. I don't think he's a great defender. So that's why right. I'm not sold on on him. And I'm also, I'll be honest, I'm quite bullish on a guy like Vincent DeHarnay. I, I believe guys like that, he's the ultimate late developer, real big body, works hard. I think he can defend as well as Cody Cece if you want to replace that and then maybe add in someone else who's who's a good defender but a little bit better of a puck mover. Because right now I'm not sure Cece or DeHarnay, neither one of them are great puck movers. I think you need one good one, which is Bouchard. And then or I would say great maybe. And then one good one. And then your other guys kind of whatever. Everybody has to move the puck. And that's why I would be interested in a right D if I could make that trade in the offseason. Yeah, and that's completely understandable. I'm with you on that too. And, um, you know, you can go looking and you could put up some feelers. But at the end of the day, I think most people, I think, would feel good about having Cody Cece come back for the start of the year. Now, what happens midseason towards the deadline? Things can change. And then we saw that, like you pointed out with Matias Ekholm. Now, Here's one that I was kind of chewing on earlier today. I was looking at the, the UFA list coming out next year uh, or when we get to the, the UFA uh, free agency market. And I was like, what if – this is totally hypothetical. This is me just spitballing. What if you're willing to move Yamamoto, you find a trade partner, maybe you get a draft pick for him, and then you go and you look at an Evan Rodriguez who signed a pretty modest contract with Colorado, had less points this year than he did the year prior, and you give him something relatively the same if, if there aren't a ton of offers out there. Would you be okay with that as your upgrade on the wing over Kyler Yamamoto for a reasonable price? Ideally, less than the 3.1 Yamamoto was making. And Rodriguez, I think, came in this year at $2 million. He was a really late signing. He's four inches taller than Yamamoto. He's thicker than Yamamoto. And I, I think, you know, he's more consistent as well at the NHL level. Tom Gazzola joins us. I'm the sports leader, TSN 1260. Tom, what are you expecting from the Elks offense tomorrow? A little more fireworks, although they were okay last week with uh, Deggie at uh, QB. And, uh, you know, they had the lead at times against the Stamps, but obviously they were playing a lot of guys that uh, were fighting for their lives. Now with uh, this revamped uh, receivers unit, Eugene Lewis coming on, Stephen Dunbar coming in, uh, you got Mitchell coming back, uh, the Manny show is going to be there, and then uh, Taylor Cornelius who's put in some work at the gym and put on some weight. He's a tall, big-body guy that uh, now finally started to put on some some muscle, which is good. So I expect tomorrow afternoon to see some pop from the Elks offense. Uh, we'll see what the, the Bombers bring in terms of their defense. It's their first preseason game. So maybe the, lots of opportunity for this Elks offense to find some early chemistry. And it is their last preseason game uh, because they got that early draw playing that first game last week against Calgary. So definitely some pop. I want to see some chemistry. I think that would be ideal especially with these new big-ticket free agents, that receiver that the Elks have brought in, add to the fact they've got some uh, guys coming back that should have good seasons as well. Greg's, it should be a good day at the ballpark tomorrow at uh, Commonwealth for the Elks. Yeah, Connor Halley's wedding, so uh, I won't be uh, partaking in the game. Uh, i got more important things to do, which will be uh, loads of fun. But uh, I, I am interested to, to kind of see how the offense goes. We have their quarterback uh, Taylor coming up in about an hour's time in the show. So uh, I just like all the reports that, uh, you know, in camp uh, was, he was very good and like stood out and he's kind of like the clear guy right now that, that, you know, haven't really even heard any, Oh, Trey Ford's pushing him. So I, right. that might be a good thing 
or it's a bad thing that Trey Ford's not getting any mention, or maybe it's just a better thing because Cornelius is looking that much better than anyone else. Well, it's his third year, Cornelius, right? Uh, and, and he's faced some adversity. And I think, you know, talking to Chris Jones toward the end of, of the season, working those last couple of games, sidelines, um, it sounded like the emphasis was on Cornelius finding his rhythm this season. So, I, I you know, ideally you'd probably like to see a push from Trey Ford, but realistically he's coming off a rookie year where he missed a good chunk of it with that clavicle injury. And then he got that look late in the season. Would it be a great story if Ford, you know, became the next great Canadian quarterback after we watched what Nathan Rourke did? Yeah, sure. But you need a guy who gets you wins. And I think Cornelius is uh, well ahead of uh, Ford when it comes to being ready and, and uh, ready for the big spotlight. So uh, they're putting a lot of faith into Taylor Cornelius. And, and they've had some patience with him. They've gone through two really rough seasons with him. Uh, you know, kind of being the starter at in spurts here and there. And then finally, they, they made the move to go to him full-time last season. So, Greg's, uh, if he's is starting to pick up on, on his reads and, and uh, he's getting better at reading uh, defenses and secondaries and he's finding his groove at the CFL level uh, under center, then I think they're going to be in a good place because he's got the tools and mechanics to be a good quarterback. And uh, now he's got the weapons to throw to. So with that arsenal and with those abilities that he naturally has mixed in with the experience, you know, and the confidence of the coaching staff, it it puts together a a good equation for him. And uh, that also buys Trey Ford time to to develop and watch the game and maybe get some reps in there. So, you know what, Uh, short-term pain for potential long-term game with Cornelius. And we'll see how he is. Uh, He took that big lick from – Enoch Mohamba at the end of last season. I was on the sidelines when that happened. It was pretty close to me. And uh, you know what? That's another lesson that he probably learned too. So we'll see how he comes back. I'm sure he's going to be better, uh, stronger, fitter, and uh, more aware of his surroundings on the field. And Greg's, we'll see uh, a bit of that tomorrow afternoon. Tommy, have yourself a good weekend. Good luck on the uh, closing your deal. And uh, we'll, we'll hear about it if, if Tom Gazzola will enter in the longest commitment of his life this weekend. We will find out. I'll see you on the dance floor tomorrow, Greg. <laughs> yeah, we'll see if you can keep up. That's uh, Tom Gazzola <laughs> in the uh, Chronicles, brought to you by Action Electrical. Uh, when we return, Georges Lerac will join us on the show. Talking uh, hockey, uh, roasting, and more. The Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. 2.44. Welcome back. Pause of Friday. I'm at the Sports Theater TSN 12.60. How are you? Hope you're having a, a wonderful day. Uh, big plans for the weekend. Who doesn't like it? Short week, baby. Comes at you quick. It's fantastic. It's already the weekend. Loving it. Let's go around the NHL now. Brought to you by McDonald's. You know what you'll be loving? Dollar cones and... I know for, I get lots of people now. I don't drink coffee, but there's so many people claim McDonald's coffee. Top notch. Top notch. So get one right now. Only at McDonald's. As uh, we are joined now by a former NHLer. He is a radio host, also a part-time singer. And uh, now he's going to be a part of a, of a roast. Uh, George Larocque joins us. George, how you doing, man? Very good, Jason. How's everything on your side? It's pretty good. How are your roasting skills? Well, uh, I'm getting a lot of help uh, <laughs> to get it 
to get this done. I'm not going to lie. And uh, But to get the help, I've had to talk to uh, a few people that play with Mac T and, uh, and Kevin Lowe. Yeah. To, uh, because, you know, when you get help in that, they need a lot of information, right? And since I didn't play in the in their their era, there's some of the good material that I got, and uh, I, I obviously have some material because I played for them too. So uh, no, it's gonna be very good. And uh, uh, some of the stuff I have to think about because it's very very offside. So um, I have to. It's all good, buddy. Some of the stuff I'll keep. Yeah, but some of the stuff, if you understand what I say, very very offside. Uh, I'm gonna keep in the back burner. And if, when I get roasted, they ever go somewhere that I think is too far, I might have to bring those out. <laughs> oh, all right. So reactionary roasting. Okay. I can, I can, I can get yeah. on that. Yeah, yeah. There's two, there's, there's two categories of what do, what do I have, right? Because, you know, the thing is, it's, it's, you know how sensitive that is. Roasting is very sensitive because the crowd will laugh at everything, right? But as you know, athletes, we're different breed, right? So we have egos. So depending <laughs> on what you say, you might lie for public, but when it's done, they won't, you know? And that's the line that I don't know what the line is uh, okay. regarding that, right? What is the line when you're roasting a former players? Is there uh, no line or there's a line? And I'm not even talking about swearing. I'm talking about making reference to, to, to things in the past, you know? Uh, and yeah. that's the thing that I don't know. And that's what I'm really curious to see. Uh, we're we're all gonna go from there. So now, what what are the areas for George Larac that you wouldn't find? Like, if somebody was roasting you, what is there well, an area where you're like, I don't want them to go there? Uh, uh, to be honest with you, uh, and having done radio for so long myself, I don't care. Yeah. I don't care because I I was so out there, as you know, and I was never afraid to laugh at myself. And and you know, I sang on the radio. I'm terrible at it. I did so many crazy things that I was bad at that, to me, uh, I'm okay with anything. You know, I have a really good sense of humor, so so I'm okay with anything. But it's just that uh, I just don't know, though, how the other guys feel. Because when we had the meeting the other day, um, you were there, and Kevin was there, and Stephen started talk. And he said last year when he got roasted, he, he, he almost stood up and he wanted to leave. He almost walked out. He said that. <laughs> so when I heard that, I was like, oh, that means that there's a line. So if there is a line, that means that I have to be careful because, you know, he said that, right? So I was like, oh, my God. So that means there's a limit for him. But what is, what is the limit? I would be curious. Maybe you could tell me what was said, uh, Jason, that he said that he was about to stand up. Were you there? Oh, yeah, I was there. And honestly, um. I think he was just trying to mind game play right there to be like, I don't want guys to go too deep because I was like, I was at Strutty's roast. Right. And, um, and that was the first one we've done. Um, yeah. I thought there was like, now Strutty's like you, he doesn't care. He, and uh, you know, so, and there was lots of jokes, like, you know, it, it's a roast. And so you like, you have to make fun of people. Like, you know, we turned a, a joke about, um, you know, Nathan Dempsey, who has Parkinson's disease, and we joked about it because he had, like, he has Parkinson's and he knows about it. He thought it was really funny. So, um, okay, let, me ask you, let me ask you that, okay? Because maybe you could answer me that question that I have, okay? As you know, their time when they played and my time is two different time, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, thought it was much worse okay. what they did. Like, there should be lots more things to joke yeah. about. <laughs> so, regarding what they did as their time contrary to our time, is it outside to go there? I don't think so. But you know, but 
I, you know, I'm talking in a parable, like, kind of like in the Bible, because I don't want to say what I mean, but I know that you understand what I mean when I say that back then, the thing that they could get away with is not the same as it was today. Oh, no. Back, no. You know, back then they were protected. Today, uh, media or police or anything, they're looking for that stuff, you know? And there's some really good roles with that back-end stuff that was back then before, and there's, you know, there's stuff that are normal. So what do you think? Do you think there's a line or no? Because well, at the, the end of the day, to, to me, I, could the, always, yeah. I could always say at the end of the day that, hey, I asked Jason Gregory, and he said that it's okay. <laughs> I could cross that line. So yeah, that's he's right. my reference. Hey, he was there know, last year. He's, my, he's the guy that I was checking with, so I'm doing that right now. George, you make the joke, and then afterwards you throw me under the bus. I'll be fine with it. <laughs> Because the joke's already out there by then, I'll be like, no problem. So, uh, uh, to me, there's the only jokes you can't make. I think nowadays, uh, obviously, um, anything that's uh, that's racist. Although, I, like, and a lot of people say, you know, racist jokes that are really racist. But there's some funny. Like, I, I've been watching Chris Rock and a few other roasts here lately, and some of the lines people say, I'm like, oh, those guys were laughing at it. All right. Well, well, just- I'm the only black guy in the panel, so I don't think I'm going to be racist, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm saying maybe the others will. So that'll be the uh, that'll be the risk there. Oh, that, yeah. that would be interesting if, if they go there. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't I think good, they would. I, I, have a, I have a good sense of humor, but as you know, no, no, that's the one thing. A, no, we're, no, we're no. Living, we're living. In a, we're living in a woke society now that we cannot do or say anything anymore. So let's see uh, where they're going to go. Yeah. Well, here's it's like for two hours, George, at the roast. A lot of those rules, it comes down to personal preference, but based on the past, like at most roasts, people understand, because we have a few professional comedians, and I've talked to them in the past, and they say, hey, when you come to a roast, if you get offended, that's probably your issue, because you're coming to a roast knowing there's going to be some offensive things said. Yeah, that's true. Good yeah, point. Yeah. Now, hey, I want to get your thoughts, uh, George Larac uh, joins us, on the uh, the playoffs, and, and obviously, you know, the Florida Panthers has been a, has been a surprise for sure. Heck, if, if your former team, the Pittsburgh Penguins, didn't choke in the second-last game of the season against Chicago. This wouldn't even happen, and, and Chicago wouldn't even have got Bedard crazy enough. Like, it's it's kind of being wacky, and it's really on the back of Sergei Bobrovsky be, has, has suddenly rewound the clock six years later, and he's a Vesna, and he's the, you know looking like a Vesna Trophy winner. He's right up there for the Conn Smythe. He's been amazing for Florida. You know, the, the craziest thing in Montreal is that all year long, the Montreal fans, they were laughing at Florida for the Chara trade because we got the first pick. And everybody in Montreal thought that we're going to have two top five picks because Florida wasn't making the playoffs. Their chance to make the playoff one time during the season, if you look at the Tanker Town website, it was like less than 10%. And then Keith Kachuk, Keith Kachuk, which is uh, Matthew Kachuk's father, ever since he ripped the Florida Panthers, uh, this team went on a rampage. And then they never stopped losing, and they made the playoffs, thankfully, as you said, to Pittsburgh, that lost to Columbus and Chicago, and then they, they, they got in. And, and then the weirdest thing happened. You look at this team, down 3-1 against Boston, that, that, that won 65 win this year. They put Bobrovsky in net that couldn't stop a beach ball. Bobrovsky, when he signed that contract, eight, eight years, $10 million a year, he was arguably, with Carey Price, the best to goalie in the NHL. And now we're seeing the same Bobrovsky that was unreal when he was with the jacket. And you're looking at this team now, the way that they're playing, it's unbelievable. 
you look at that trade that Calgary made with them, it makes this trade look like a steal. And I didn't like Matthew Ketchuk when he played with the Flames in the Battle of Alberta and when he played Edmonton. But now looking at him, the way that he's playing now, the leader that he is, you, how can you not love the guy? He's putting everything on the line. He's physical. He's feisty. He's putting points in the net. He's scoring winning goals. And despite of the fact that he's been unreal for this club, Bobrovsky, uh, even if, let's say, the Panthers don't win the Cup, I think he's going to join um, Jean-Sébastien Giguere, and he's getting the consummate whether they win or not because he's been so good in this playoff so far. George Lerac joins us, Edmonton Sports Leader, TSN 1260. Uh, speaking of Montreal, uh, you're watching your young goaltender at the uh, World Championships. He's been excellent for uh, for Team Canada. Um, how, how do people feel in Montreal? Do they got a young goalie there? Yeah, well, you know, people are really encouraged about the future. The biggest question is that, you know, we know we have to get rid of Jake Allen, but now it's like, okay, can Montalbo potentially become the number one, or can he at least play 40 games? The way he's playing right now is really reassuring because now they don't have as much pressure looking for number one goalie. They could look like now the model what teams are doing now is getting two guys that are two number twos that could play 40 games each. You share the load, and then that way if one guy has got hurt, you're not too much in trouble. It's no... You know, this thing of getting a $10 million goalie that plays 70 games and the other goalie 10 doesn't work anymore. Now you need a guy that could take a share of, of, of game because hockey is so demanding now. It's so hard that it's good to have two goalies. So Montreal now with Montembeau, I think that they're in a good position, but they're still looking for that other goalie. So, uh, you know, Montreal is going to be patient. Though. They know they need a couple of years before they become a regular playoff team. But so far, you know, like, well, we'll see what's going to happen in the draft because the biggest question is when they draft, as you know, number five, what are they going to do? Are they going to pass on Mitchkov or are they going to take him? I would take him because Mitchkov and Bedard are the only two guys guaranteed that, that are NHL ready. Even though Mitchkov cannot come before three years with his deal in KHL, in three years, when he comes back in KHL and playing in the NHL, he's going to be better than any other guy other than Bedard that will be drafted in the next coming draft. So hopefully Montreal takes him. And and there's some rumors. I know they might take him at four. If they do, Will Smith will be available. Montreal will take him. But, uh, you know, for the future of this team, it's going to be very interesting to see what's going to happen in top five. Well, honestly, George, I've been saying for, for any team, Michkov might be one of the best picks you can make because it'll force teams. They can't screw themselves over by rushing them to the NHL, which we've seen. Like Montreal with Kakaniemi, prime example. There was no reason to do it. I thought last year, same thing. Their, their, their number one pick wasn't ready. There was no reason to bring him. They should have had him in junior hockey, dominating, getting used to the Canadian game and killing it and gaining confidence. You're 100% right about uh, Slavkovsky because that guy's six foot four and he was getting hit all the time. Why? Because in Europe, there's not much physical play. Mm-hmm. He was the biggest guy. Nobody was hitting him. He got in the NHL. I've never seen a guy so big getting ran so much. Like, down, like it was down the ice all the time. He was getting hit all the time because he was not used to that physical style. So you're right that if, let's say, he played one-year junior hockey, um, he would have been, been a customized body checking, and it would have been much better. But actually, uh, you know, regarding uh, Kakenimi, you're just talking about it. Just so you know, before that draft, everybody was begging, not everyone, but a lot of people were begging the Canadian to take Kachuk, to take Brady Kachuk. But they were so keen on getting a center that they made a mistake with KK. And obviously, we all know now that it's a mistake. And, and ever since that joke of the... Of the uh, 
uh, offer sheet that Carolina did, you know, every couple of weeks, Rob Brandamore rips KK, you know, in the news saying that he has to give more, give more, give more, give more. They've been really disappointed with him. But, you know, at the end of the day, they're the ones that give the signing sheets, right? So they have to live with that. What do you make of uh, the Edmonton orders? What should they do this offseason? Well, I, I was so mad. I, I, I was, there's so many things I was upset when I watched the, the, the playoffs. First of all, um, Pietrangelo, I can't believe he only got one game for hacking on, on dry title. He should have got suspended the rest of the series. Uh, you know, if you give two games to, uh, to, uh, and rightfully to, to Jamie Benn, how do you only give one to, to Pietrangelo? We could have broke his arm. So that right there could have changed the series. Obviously, the, the situation that upset me the most is the goaltending situation because we had every year, it seems that it's always the same thing that is killing us. Uh, and, and it's not Skinner's fault. He was a rookie. He did really good in regular season. He was putting the number one uh, goalie because Campbell was doing so bad that by default he became the one goal, number one goalie. And he finished the year so well that he put the, the, the Oilers in the playoffs. He's the one that he did that. So he was the number one goalie in the playoffs. And, and I think that he ran out of gas. He ran out of gas. The, the person that, that I'm going to blame for this, I, I'm going to blame Campbell because when we signed him, we were so happy to sign a goalie just to replace Mike Smith that was 40 million years old that we're like, yes, we got an upgrade in that. So Campbell had good numbers in, in, in Toronto, and we thought was gonna, like, we're going to be okay for years. And now I don't know what happened, but he couldn't stop anything. And now we, like, we couldn't put him in that. One thing I do have to admit, Campbell saved us because game four in L.A., if he doesn't, when he comes in release, he doesn't make that stop that because the game would have been 5-3. We lose that game down 3-1. We don't even beat L.A. So he did do good when he came in release. But again, when he come in release, the team, they're already like playing more defensively. They're not as offensive anymore. So that's why numbers look so good in release. But, but still, I hope Campbell is going to figure it out this summer and he comes back. The only thing we need from him, come back and just Keep stats, 2.75 average, and just 9.10 goal percentage, save percentage. That's all we're asking. We're not asking, like, crazy numbers like like 2.2 or, or 9.35. Just 2.75, 9.10. If you just give us that, which is with the contract that he signed is something reasonable, share the load with Skinner, we'll be okay. But if Skinner has to play most of the game again because Campbell can't figure it out anymore, we're going to be in trouble because we're so strapped for cash right now that we just can't afford to to like to, like to get another goalie that is high priced goalie and be stuck with Campbell's contract because there's one thing for sure, there's no team that's gonna take him. And actually, if we want to upload contract, we have to hurry and do this quick with Phoenix because there's the garbage of the NHL taking all the back contract because once they move to Houston, we no longer would have a team to, to dump contract. So we better call Phoenix right away if we want to get rid of some guys to. Uh, free up some money to improve our team. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, we'll see. Uh, they might not even be in Phoenix by the uh, the end of the year. We'll see. Yeah. Well, George, uh, good luck with your final weeks of preparation at the Roast, and uh, we will see you in a few weeks. Thank you, brother. See you soon. That's uh, George Lorac uh, being in town in uh, two weeks' time for the uh, Roast for uh, Kevin Lowe. Let's take a quick break. Uh, when we return, uh, Strutty will join us in Empton Sports Theater, TSN 12. 
60, Brandon Douglas in a Sports Center update brought to you by BIE Engineering, specialized in all your res residential, commercial, and industrial structural engineering needs. Go to BIEENG.com.